Thank you, God, for all that you are doing in so many places around the world. Lord, we long to see your name, Jesus, lifted up among every people group. Lord, I pray that today as we look into your word together, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and you would show us what is our part in fulfilling this work of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just got back from Cyprus with a number of our overseas workers, some of whom that you saw in the video there, and it was a great time to catch up with them and see their families and just hang out and have long talks and prayer times. And, and <clears throat> looking back, one of the things that I wish I'd had the opportunity to do was to just ask them, hey, so how did God lead you to this place? You know, what's your story? Because um, I think, you know, when we hear other people's stories, it really strengthens our faith, and it helps us to envision how, you know, God may want to work in our own lives. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to look at the story of a guy named Saul and just see how uh, God took him from where he was and brought him on this journey to the nations. And um, Lord willing, we'll see how we can see our, our story in Saul's story. So we're going to start <clears throat> right um, kind of in a really bloody section. This guy named Stephen is preaching the gospel, and there's lots of folks who don't like it, and they're about to, they're about to stone him. So that's where we are in Acts chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 58. So they dragged him, that's Stephen, out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. So here we have this guy, Saul. He's just on a rampage looking for these followers of Jesus to stone them, to drag them to prison, to persecute them. He is not the guy that we would be thinking hey, you, you should uh, you know, come join our, our, our team here. This would be the, the last person that, that we would think. And it's, it's so amazing how we see in Scripture, God seems to always use the last person. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, because then he can get the glory. Then it's not about you know, how great we are, our gifts, but it's about how great he is. And so we're just, we're, let's, let's continue with this guy, Saul. So Saul... Um, kind of a mass murderer, if you will. Jumping to Acts chapter 9, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's the way of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. 
They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. So here's Saul. He's still on his, he's on his journey to Damascus, and he's going to synagogues to find anyone who was followers of Jesus. Now, all the followers of Jesus at this time were Jews, and so that's where you're going to find the followers of Jesus, in the synagogues. So he went to the synagogues. He's trying to find these Jesus followers. He has this vision from heaven. He hears this voice. He knows it's God, and God says, Oh, by the way, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And so all of a sudden, conviction just hits Saul. He's blinded, and he heads into the city of Damascus, and it says he doesn't, he doesn't eat or drink anything for three days. And I think this is a sign of repentance. He didn't eat or drink anything for, for three days. I remember when the Lord first called me out of darkness, uh, just a few days before my, my 25th birthday, and just revealed himself to me. And the first major step was repentance just going through all the people I needed to call and, and confess to and, and just turning away from sexual sin. And just there's this process of, of making the turn away from my old life to the new life. And that's, that's where, where Saul is at here in these three days. You know, I'm imagining he's, he's picturing the people that he's persecuted. He's imagining the men and women he's dragged off to jail. And, and I'm, I can just see him just going through this and just you know, telling the Lord, Lord, you know, forgive me for this, forgive me for that. So he's going through this process. So then God speaks to Ananias. Now, what do we know about this guy, Ananias? Not a whole lot. But we do know one thing. He's a disciple. He's a follower of Jesus. He doesn't have some fancy title or whatever. He's just called Disciple Ananias. And God uses this ordinary disciple to minister to Saul. So Ananias goes to him. He, he speaks vision into Saul's life. 
You're going to go to kings. You're going to go to Gentiles. God's going to take you to various places. So, so God uses Ananias, this ordinary guy, lays hands to, to heal Saul, to cast vision for him, to baptize him, and to get him started on this, on this journey. You know, and God, so often God uses ordinary disciples like Ananias. And this is a big thing. What we see in, in disciple-making movements around the world today is ordinary disciples like Ananias doing this stuff. This is what we see happening. Ordinary disciples laying out of hands for healing. Ordinary disciples laying out of hands for impartation of the Holy Spirit. Ordinary disciples baptizing people and, and teaching others to do the same thing. That's how it multiplies. Ordinary Ananiases. And so often God uses those Ananiases for the sake of those Saul's. So maybe God has you as you as a Saul, maybe he has you as an Ananias. Who knows? Let's look at this um, scene in a little bit more detail in Acts chapter 22, verse 14 through 16. This is uh, Saul recounting his, um, his testimony, and he's, and he's saying what Ananias told him on that day. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. So Saul had this vision. Ananias said, you're the guy. God's going to use you, a Jewish Pharisee, to reach Gentiles of all people. What are you waiting for? Get baptized. That was the step. Just that, repent and be baptized. We'll do a little hand motion here. Folks of you that have gone through Multiply, you've seen this. Everyone put your hands like this. I know, it's kind of it's weird. Both, both of your palms should face that way, okay? Both palms facing that way. Now, how does that feel? Awkward, Awkward yes. Now, it'll get better in just a minute. So imagine this is us, this is humanity, and our back is turned to God. Can you see that? Okay. This is how we all start out life, with our back turned to God. And then, by God's grace, we hear the gospel. We hear the good news of Jesus, that he was crucified for our sins. He's the Son of God. He was raised on the third day. He ascended to heaven. He's coming back again, and he's Lord. And we believe this gospel. And what is our response? Our response is Acts 2.38. Repent, which means to turn. It's starting to feel better, isn't it? Amen. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's it. It's that simple. That's our response of faith. Repent and be baptized. That's why when Ananias spoke to Saul, he said, what are you waiting for? You've already repented. Get in the water. Let's go. You got work to do. 
I was watching some of the, the um, baptism testimony videos from last week. I wasn't here. I was out of the country. But it was so neat to hear some of the testimonies. A few of them said, I know that God has something for me to do. I'm like, yeah, that's it. You understand that, that baptism is not graduation. It's initiation. It's like, now it's really going to start. Now I can begin to do this thing. So that may be for, for some of you that you've been kind of holding off or waiting. Now's the time. What are you waiting for? You can, you can sign up to get baptized in two weeks from today. Or if you don't want to wait two weeks, go find a swimming pool or Joe Pool Lake is nice and warm now. But let's, let's get her done. There was a couple of guys that got baptized in my pool while I was out of the country. Uh, just the, a week before the baptism happened here. And I said, dude, just go ahead and use the pool. I mean, I, I have a pool, but, you know, I'm black. I don't swim. So, <laughs> you know, I got it for baptisms. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay, white people can't jump. Black people can't swim. Okay, that's, that's I said it. There it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, just get dunked. Do it. All right. So, so Saul gets baptized, and then what happens? Verse, verse, uh, end of verse 19 of chapter 9. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So, so here, Saul, people cannot believe that he's actually a follower of Jesus now. They, they just can't believe it. And, you know, some of you may be struggling with that. Maybe, maybe there's someone that's like, they don't really believe that I'm following Jesus now. Just be like Saul. Just be humble, be repentant, and, and do what you're called to do. And God will take care of the rest. But what I love about Saul is, you know, he was on his way to the synagogue. But he was on his way to the synagogue to persecute followers of Jesus. So, so here he's thinking, well, you know, since I'm on my way to the synagogue anyway, I might as well just go to them and tell them about Jesus. So he doesn't even have to change his plans, really. I mean, he changes them a little bit. <laughs> Instead of, like, dragging people off to prison, he's, like, telling them about Jesus. But notice he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to go anywhere different. See, so often God just wants us to start right where you're going. You don't need to necessarily change jobs. Just change why you're going to the job. It's not for the paycheck. The paycheck is just to support your ministry and telling people about Jesus. That's all. So go, where are your people? Saul's people were in the synagogue. He was comfortable there. He's like, he's a Pharisee. Like, I know the synagogue. You know, that's, that, that's, that was his place. Where is your place? Where are your people? Where are the people that you're familiar with? Is it Little League? Is it your job? Is it school? Is it, is it the people you play, I don't know, bocce ball with? I, what, I don't know what it is. 
Who are the people that, that you know? Start, with your, start in your own backyard, so to speak. Saul was called the nations, but he said, you know what? I'm here in Damascus. I'm going to start here. Start where you're at. And it said, Saul grew in power. So as you are faithful right where you're at, you're going to grow. You're going to get strengthened. You're going to get more anointing, more power on you. All right, let's move on to uh, verse 26 in Acts 9. When he came to Jerusalem, Saul, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Yeah. Not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So Saul is still struggling with that old identity, isn't he? He's still carrying that. But then, you know, God in his mercy, he brings along Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And he says, hey, hey, apostles, you really got to give the, cut this guy Saul some slack. Let me tell you what happened. He's a great guy. He loves Jesus. He's telling people about Jesus. You really need to, you know, respect him. So God brought this guy Barnabas. First, it was Ananias, who was kind of like a, a one-shot deal. You know, vision, encouragement, vision, you know, prayer. But, but now Barnabas comes along, and he's going to be more long-term. He's going to stay with Saul for a number of years. So you may be the, the Saul person who needs that Barnabas to come alongside you, or maybe you're the Barnabas for someone. See, I hope you're, you're catching that, that following Jesus is not, is not an individual sport. But from the very beginning, we see that this is a team sport. It, it takes a, a team of people to do this thing called the Great Commission. And so even though God may give a vision to one person like Saul, it's never about the one person. It's about the vision that's going to take a community of people to see it um, come to pass. All right. So let's move on in Paul's journey to the, uh, Saul's journey to the nations. And Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19... Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So I want you to imagine this, this picture. Barnabas goes to Antioch. He sees the grace of God on, on this group of Jesus followers, Jews and Gentiles together. That's just never been done before. This is amazing. 
Barnabas is like, I got to go tell Saul about this. So Barnabas goes to Tarsus, and I can imagine the conversation. Hey, hey Saul, remember when you were like killing Christians? Like, dude, you have to keep bringing that up every time we get together. Like, I'm like, that's my old life. No, 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 wait. So check this out. Some of the people that you were persecuting, they ran to Antioch. And guess what they did there? They started telling people about Jesus in Antioch. And not only other Jews, but also Gentiles too. And so I was like, are you serious? Yeah. Now there's this, this, this huge church of people there are Jesus followers. They're, they're Jews and they're Gentiles. And, and they, they, they need some people who, who know the scriptures. You come with me and, and you know, we can help in, encourage and build up these believers here. Isn't it amazing? Here was Saul. He was persecuting these people. And God used that persecution to start a thriving church in Antioch. This is redemption. This is how God uses even our, our, the, the, worst, the worst things that, you know, that we've done. He can redeem that. This is for his praise and glory. It's, Saul doesn't get glory. This is, do you see how Jesus gets glory from this? This is about him. This is, I, I, just, I love this because this is hope for all of us. This is hope for all of us that, that we can fulfill that calling and not say, well, but I have this identity, this, this, like... Just follow Jesus. Just follow him. All right, let's go to Acts 13, verse 1. Continue uh, Saul's journey. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. So here's kind of the, Saul is now getting sent out. He had that time in Damascus where he's like, okay, I'm in Damascus. I'm just going to share about Jesus. And then he has a period of training in Antioch. He's, met, he's meeting with the, with the Gentile believers and, and learning how to relate to Gentiles because he probably really hasn't done that before. You know, as a, as a very religious Jew, he would want to separate himself from Gentiles. And now he's like having dinner with them at their house and learning about them. And, and it's, it's a, there's a mutuality about that. Again, again, this is part of the, the team that, that, that God has put around Saul in order to equip him, in order to get him ready for his ministry. And now they're in this, this time of worship and prayer and fasting. And it's in that time of just seeking the Lord that the Holy Spirit says, okay, now... And the, the starting gun comes off. And Saul's like, I know what to do now. Because you notice, it doesn't, it doesn't specify what the work is, but th- they know. Because they know back from the days of Ananias what Saul's calling was. It was to the Gentiles. It was to the nations. And now it's like, okay, now is the time. 
You've got your team. You've got your training. You've got your experience. Now it's time to go. And Saul sets off. And he goes with Barnabas. One thing that um, I want us to see here, all this time the scripture refers to him as Saul. Saul, 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 Saul. So I'm going to summarize a little bit what happens here in Cyprus. That's where they are. So Saul and Barnabas are sharing the gospel with the, the leader of the island, sort of like the governor of the island. He's a Roman official. He's interested in the gospel. But there's this magician that's like trying to get in the way. And Saul says, dude, you need to stop. And right in the scripture says, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, this is verse 9, looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. And then he just goes on, and the dude's blinded, and the Roman governor's like, oh, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> but something happens right here. The scripture never refers to Saul as Saul anymore after this point. Something changes in, in his identity, and he takes the identity of Paul, and, he, and he's walking in the fullness of his identity. No more of this going back and forth, and, and, and he's like, okay, I, I know who I am fully in Christ. And there's some of you that God is going to give a new name to today. It may not be like a literal changing of their name, but, there, uh, but there's going to be some deep change in the, uh, of, of identity, a naming Something from your old is going to be cut off. The Lord is saying you, he doesn't want you to walk in, in, in the old Saul identity anymore. That he wants you to walk in, the, in the, the Paul identity, if that makes sense. He wants you to walk in that. Because the Saul identity has been, has been holding you back. It's been causing you to go back and forth. Well, do I, am I accepted? Am I a disciple? Am I this? And, and the Lord wants to break that off of you so that you can walk in the fullness of, of uh, your new name in him. And so this is the beginning of his ministry. And so we, we see, if you can go through the book of Acts. Saul goes to synagogues and he goes to house, house to house with a team to tell people about Jesus. And so crazy because before he came to know Jesus, he was doing the same thing. He was going to synagogues, he was going house to house, but he was trying to drag people to prison. It's just God's sense of humor. You know, he says, okay, you're still going to go to synagogues, and you're still going to go house to house with a different purpose. God wants to repurpose some of you. You may be still doing the same thing on the outside, you know, but with a different purpose. Kingdom purpose. Great commission purpose. For some of you, that's going to be starting off here and staying here. For some of you, it's going to be starting here. This is going to be your Damascus, and then it's going to be in Jerusalem, and then it's going to be, who knows, the nations. But I believe God wants to give, give you next step. Maybe your next step is short-term trip. And uh, actually, in your bulletin, while I'm thinking about it, there's a little tear-off thing you can you can just put that in um, one of the offering boxes and say, hey, I'm interested in a short-term trip. 
Short-term trips will mess you up. I guarantee it. (laughs) Davis family who we're sending out, that started three years ago. Short-term trip. Just an innocent short-term trip. You never know. You never know what, what God will do in your life. God can do something in a week of just focused, great commission attention that couldn't happen in three years of just doing the same old, same old. So consider it. Consider it. By the end of Paul's life, he said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. I'm just waiting for the crown now. I want to be able to say the same thing. That the vision he gave me has been accomplished, that I, you know, I'm ready to see Jesus now, face to face. Don't you want to be able to say that? What, what better thing is you're, you're on your, your last breath and like, I've done, I've done what I'm supposed to do. And I'm ready to see him face to face. Awesome. That's what I want. That's what I want for all of you. Let's stand. We're going to have a, um, a short time of praying for one another. For those of you that, that you, you feel that stirring, you're not necessarily sure what the next step is, maybe the next step is baptism. Maybe the next step is some training. Maybe it's multiply or launch. Maybe the next step is a short-term trip. Maybe the next step is going over to Grace Cafe and talking to a worker and say, hey, just tell me your story. But the Lord wants to do something, and the Lord is stirring you. So if you feel that there's, there's some stirring in, in, in that vein, just come on up, and we're going to have a time of prayer for you. Just come on up, and we're going to pray, and we're going to get some Ananias to lay hands on you as you come up. So come on up. That statement that Brian made, God is repurposing some of you today. That's some of you, that was a word of the Lord for some of you. If that's you, come on up. He's repurposing you. You sense it right now. You sense it. You've been maybe back and forth on it, but there's a sense. I know he's repurposing me. Come on up for prayer. Let's have some disciples come and lay hands on these folks. Some Ananiases. God, we thank you that you are still calling people to the nations. We thank you that the vision hasn't changed, Lord, for 2,000 years. And even before that, you're wanting a people for yourself from every tribe and nation and tongue, Lord. And these here, our brothers and sisters, are saying, I, I don't know what that looks like, Jesus, but, but sign me up. I'm ready. So, Lord, I just pray that you would impart vision. I pray you would impart encouragement. I pray for grace, Lord. Lord, where there is fear, I pray that you would break fear off of people in the name of Jesus. Where the enemy has been accusing them and said, you can't do it, you're past, you're this, you're that, has disqualified you. We just break off that, that word of disqualification off of you. The Lord is requalifying you in the name of Jesus. Lord, be glorified in the lives of these men and women. 
We, I, God, I pray you would give them vision. I pray you give them dreams. I pray you would put people groups on their minds, Lord. I pray you put uh, ge- geographical areas on their minds, Lord, specific uh, religious groups, Lord, on their minds, God. Lord, for those that, that need teammates, that need a Barnabas to come alongside them, would you bring team members around them, Lord, to help, to help carry out that vision in Jesus' name? Would you bring intercessors, God, People who will, who will pray day and night for them, Lord. Who will be in the jihad just praying and crying out to God for that, for that person, that family, that people group, Lord. Lord, for those that, that need finances to get to their place, for those that need to get out of debt, Lord, because they, they, they feel this bondage of debt, Lord, would you just provide provision in the name of Jesus? Lord, we put our lives before you on the altar as, 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 as living sacrifices to you, Jesus, so that your name can be glorified, so that the peoples of the earth can rejoice, Lord, that they will be no longer in darkness, no longer blinded, Lord, no longer deceived by the enemy, but, in the, but have fullness of life in you, Jesus, just like we've been given that fullness of life. Use these men and women, Lord. Show them the next steps, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory today. Amen.